Build in, lock in, strap in. It's the Fantasy Domination Podcast! All right, fantasy football freaks, it is time for the Fantasy Domination Podcast. Mm. I am the coach, and I am here with my friend Rusty, a man who wouldn't have even made it into Saturday Night Live to begin with. Rusty, how are you doing? Uh, well, with an introduction like that, Coach, uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm pretty good, actually, Coach. Uh, had some pretty decent football to watch on the weekend. Uh, not Did not too bad. Could have done better in some of my leagues. But, you know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But other than that, I'm in decent health. Not all of my ex-wives are after me right now. So it's uh, I'm going to call that a win, Coach. That is, a, that is a formula for a winning week, absolutely. So, let's talk about week two, recapping the week that was. And I think the thing that we can look at most important from this from this past week's games, this felt like what we expected it to be. Mm-hmm. A Me lot too. of... You know, we're starting to get back to normal a little bit, I think, now, Coach. Absolutely. The familiar names rising back up to the top, uh, especially when we get into the receivers and the rushers. There were still a few guys that popped up and like, oh, that guy kind of surprises me he's there, but not quite as bad as week one when we had some crazy surprise performances. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll we'll still give a tip of the hat here to Demarcus Robinson of the Kansas City Chiefs, who, you know, six receptions, 172, and two touchdowns. If you had him in your fantasy league, congratulations. <laughs> your league should just shut down now, give you the title, and call you the luckiest fantasy football player in history because nobody saw that coming. Yeah, so this leads me into thinking about something, Coach. Uh, Is this going to be a revolving door of wide receiver ones for Kansas City all season? Like last week, it was Sammy Watkins. He came back down to earth. This week it was Demarcus Robinson. Now, what is it? Next week is it going to be McCole Hardman? Is it going to be someone else? Like it, it just. Uh, the, that's the only thing I'm, I'm worried about, coaches. Is it going to be a rotating cast of guys who are the guy that particular week, and then you're going to pick him up, and you're going to be behind the eight ball, and you're always going to be behind the curve on that because you grab a Demarcus Robinson this week, he could put up like five catches for thirty yards next week. He might not even get five catches next week, and also don't forget add Travis Kelsey into the mix there as well. I know he's technically a tight end, but for the performance he puts out, let's just call him a receiver. Yeah, he's been probably the most consistent guy through two games, which is a small sample size to be sure. But uh, if you went Kelsey early, like some people did, uh, or you've been holding on to him, uh, congratulations, because he's one of the few uh, sure things I think you can th- see in the tight end position right now. <coughs> O.J. Howard. We'll get it. We'll get to our friend O.J. a little bit later on. But mm-hmm. let's start off at the top. Again, if you're a Patrick Mahomes owner, you're happy. I think you're going to say that for every week that he plays this season. He, he's because... just like a fantasy football cheat code at this point. It's ridiculous. I wish I had more shares of him. Absolutely. And as we just kind of got into, he's surrounded by so many players that even without, you know, they they lost Kareem Hunt because he's a bad, bad man. They lost uh, Tyreek Hill to an injury and not because he's a bad, 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 bad man. <laughs> but they've got so many weapons there. He made Sammy Watkins look like the Sammy Watkins that we thought Sammy Watkins was going to be when Sammy Watkins was drafted into the NFL. He made Demarcus Robinson 
look like, I don't know, Marcus Robinson, <laughs> Allen Robinson. Um, I, I still, uh, sorry, PTSD coach Marcus Robinson eliminated me in a bunch of fancy leagues back in 2000 uh, or 1999 or whichever year it was. Uh, anyway, sorry. sorry. So, um, you know, that offense, you might not know who's going to put up the numbers that week, even in the back, you know, in a given week, the backfield. Is it Damian Williams? Is it McCoy? Both of them are hurt, so maybe week three it's going to be Darwin Thompson. It, you're going to be rolling the dice with anybody but Mahomes and uh, and Kelsey, but when it comes up sevens, you're going to be smiling. Yeah, that's right. So moving on, let's you know, and if we look just at the 300 yard club, we saw some names that are pr- pretty familiar again this week. Cam Newton in what was arguably a garbage performance, but for a fa- from a fantasy perspective, he still got his passing yards. Baker Mayfield again. Matt Ryan showed up again. Andy Dalton made the list. Russell Wilson had one of those, oh, yeah, Russell Wilson's a good throwing quarterback, too, games. 29 out of 35 for three touchdowns and 300 yards. That's, you know, we, we don't always think of Russell Wilson as a great passing quarterback and a volume passing quarterback, but he gets it done when he has the opportunity. Very efficient. So, again, familiar names there. Nice to see. We get we move on. Let's just talk 100-yard rushers because we saw some names that we expect to see here. And, you know, then we'll get into touchdowns where we saw some names we did not expect to see. But this week in the 100-yard club, Dalvin Cook, Matt Breida, Lamar Jackson, not a running back, but for the purposes of this thing, yeah, he's a bonus running back. This is, this is Dante Culpepper's glory years all over again. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones with Green Bay, Zeke Elliott back and in full force, and Saquon Barkley proving once again that you can be an outstanding running back drafted second overall, and it will not help your team win a thing. <laughs> the Giants are terrible. If you're Buff. being beaten by the Buffalo Bills uh, at home you, uh, and replacing your quarterback after week three, you know your season is done. Yeah, but done from a fantasy from a fantasy perspective, Barkley and Elliott should have been the top two running backs off the board. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can flip Kamara in there, but he's going to be facing his own challenges going forward now. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at these guys, you know, guys that you drafted high, and a guy like Dalvin Cook, who we're also going to talk about a little bit later, guys that you drafted high with the expectation they would perform. We were closer to form in week two than kind of the shocks of week one. Mm-hmm. And then just to hit the the wide receiver list, you know, o- Odell Beckham showed up, sparkled. You know, that's what we expect to see. Devontae Adams showed up. Julio Jones showed up. Larry Fitzgerald, there's a golden oldie. He showed up. And then even John Ross, consistent again for a second week, you know. Chris Godwin, we, we were all expecting that he was going to be that next guy to creep up to 90 to 100 catches. He's there. Tyler Boyd getting his, like, Guys that you may not have drafted to necessarily be your your wide receiver one, but maybe your wide receiver two or three, they're 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 starting to show up, which means hopefully in your leagues you're seeing a little bit less of that variance and those crazy scores when somebody happens to luck out and gets a guy who goes off crazy in one week. If you drafted great players, odds are you had a much better week in week two. Exactly, and that's why we say don't panic after week one because. It's a, such a small sample size. You know, this, that that same week could happen in week seven or eight, and no one's going to bat an eyelash because you've got more thing, more weeks to look at uh, to compare to. Say, oh, just a weird week. But weird week in week one does crazy things to some people, Coach. 
creates desperation, causes bad moves, bad free agent reactions. I, I have picked up so many useful players after week one games because guys freak out and, oh, Demarcus Robinson, I better get all over that and I'm going to drop, you know, whatever. They'll drop a, a rookie wide receiver that's got great dynasty value or they'll throw down a veteran. You know, this the, after this week, I picked up D.D. Westbrook because somebody dropped him for, I don't know, bag of peanuts. I'm like, all right. D.D. Westbrook has not looked great this season, but that offense has also been all over the place. And we're seeing Gardner Minshew, which we don't know what Gardner Minshew is going to do. So when people panic... <laughs> he's going to dress really nicely. He's easy. <laughs> For the 70s. That, that man is a style machine. <laughs> he is a machine. Absolutely. So, that said... There's still some question marks coming out of uh, out of this week. Um, we're gonna start number one. This because this one I I don't have a lot invested in this team, but I know you've shown a lot more interest. Are the 49ers for reals? I mean, I was sitting here last week uh, dogging uh, Kyle Shanahan, and I'm gonna dog him for other reasons this week because honestly. You cannot argue with 2-0 in the National Football League unless you're the Buffalo Bills and you're a terrible football team and you just played two teams that happen to be worse than you in the New York Jets and New York Giants and you're out a uh, smoke and mirrors 2-0, but whatever. Uh, but Sorry, I mean, if I if I can just jump oh, in for a second there. I must correct you. The New Jersey Jets mm, and the New Jersey Giants. My apologies. You don't get to call yourself a city and a state if you don't play there. That's, you know, that's that's just geography. Now, I know we don't always teach kids too well these days, but simply looking at the map, I'll tell you, there's only one team that plays in the great state of New York. <laughs> it's crazy. And that is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but geography lessons aside, coach, um, I can't you cannot to uh, know in a national football, you cannot argue with and. The 49ers later beaten on the Bengals last week. Uh, so, I mean, maybe Shanahan knows what he's doing. Uh, but you know what? This comes down. This comes back to my thing that I, you, you, as listeners to this podcast know, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Andy Reid in that I love to hate him uh, because of various uh, shenanigans with fantasy players he's pulled over the years. And we're starting to see Kyle Shanahan pulling him off his shenanigans uh, this week uh, as well. Uh, st- where the hell is Dante Pettis, number one? Uh, he's not. He's still not showing and registering. Show up. He got to play a little bit more this week. But forget about him for a second. What the hell's going on with the running backs over there, Coach? Um, apparently, they're using all of them. And I just before we step into that, I would just like to point out Dante Pettis completed more passes this past week <laughs> than he caught, <laughs> in that he threw one and he caught zero. Yeah. Don, clearly, clearly there's something going on with Dante Pettis and they're trying to make a point mm-hmm. and hopefully you weren't dumb enough to bank a lot of your season on Dante Pettis as an impact wide receiver because instead you got the three-headed backfield of Matt Breda, Raheem Mostert and future NASCAR champion Jeff Wilson Jr. Tevin Coleman's injury was supposed to make this easier and it didn't. It made it because 
you got Brita. These guys are like they're splitting snaps. So, like it's you don't know who to pick there. Like there, it looks like there's a there's an offense to be had there. Because I'm looking at these lines. Brita twelve one twenty one. Uh, Monster thirteen eighty three. But then neither one that gets a touchdown. Because here comes your NASCAR boy Jeff Wilson Jr. gets two touchdowns out of it. So I mean, apparently this is a very good running offense. All oh, the Cincinnati Bengals are terrible. Maybe a little column A, a little column B, but. When Tevin Coleman comes back, what the hell are we going to do with this backfield? Avoid it? Like the plague, like I am? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we have to assume Jeff Wilson Jr. was a an anomaly. But beyond that, I mean, Matt Breda, just your classic underappreciated guy who just gets out there and performs. You know, nobody's ever going to confuse him with Saquon Barkley or Barry Sanders or... You know, an all-time great Hall of Fame player. But you give him the ball, he gets the job done. Classic okay. lunch bucket guy. I like him. I don't mind having him on my team. But, yeah, now I'm worried that these guys who come out of nowhere are going to be snaking those carries that he has earned. He went 12 for 21 on 21 snaps. Mustard got 34. Like, Will, and, and as soon as they're in the red zone, Wilson wasn't in a lot, but he was in almost all the time in the red zone. That's the thing. So, I mean, I, now here's the other question. Can this, can, are we talking about San Francisco 49ers supporting three potentially fantasy viable running backs? That's the scary part. I, I mean, I don't see that in the long run. I think Jeff yeah. Wilson Jr., I mean, he might not have two touchdowns the rest of the season. Matt Breda is still the guy you want there, but I think we have to drop him to RB3 territory now. Hmm. Maybe he'll jump up and give you some good performances, but he's not a guy you can rely on. And, I mean, if if we're looking at Raheem Mostert, we might not even be pronouncing his name correctly. There's a lot of Damian Williams in this guy in that it's his fifth season. He hasn't had, you know, a, a career of note to, you know, to date so far but you know he's getting he's getting his touches he's you know he's performing if he keeps going forward he may be worth trying to do something with i don't know this is this is why i don't like rb0 and i always try to get at least one if not two (laughs) bell cow running backs because i don't want to be looking at matt breda and going huh do i need to also worry about this other guy stealing his his carries amazing that's the challenge and i mean that's the other thing too is if san francisco is legit we've also got that sort of you know mini kansas city-esque situation where we've got the we've got the tight end who you know is going to be a lock to play every week hopefully he gets his but you're not going to take george kittle out of your lineup otherwise you know which running back are you going to play are you going to play any wide receivers did you bet that Debo Samuel would be the leading pass catcher and yards guy for the 49ers this week? No, you didn't, because not even Debo Samuel saw that coming. I'm so depressed talking about the 49ers this much. Can we move on to something else, Coach? All right. You want to talk about something less depressing? Yeah. How about the Minnesota Vikings passing offense? So... We all were happy week one when Dalvin Cook came out like gangbusters. And you know what? They needed a very smooth and efficient um, Kirk Cousins. He didn't have to do much. What did he throw, 10 passes? Week two, Dalvin Cook got his again. 
great performance. The kind the kind that those of us who drafted Dalvin Cook three years ago and sat on him through injury after injury after injury were waiting on. We we're seeing that this year, and we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a minute. But Kirk Cousins, when the game is on the line, good old Kirk goes fourteen for thirty-two for two thirty with one touchdown and two interceptions. In other words, he did not get it done, and even worse, that kind of play drags down everybody around him. Mm-hmm. So Adam Thielen. I mean, a respectable 5 for 75, but that's not what we expect from Thielen. No. Stephon Diggs, 1 for 49, which was a touchdown. So the touchdown does change the math there. But one catch one catch on seven targets. And he lost one, too, on one of those. Now we're reviewing pass interference calls. And, ugh. That, that. It, was, it was embarrassing for the league. Yeah. They, no matter how, like, you think video review, they can get stuff right. They still can't. Like, it's well, and that wasn't as one was especially bad. If you're going to do a video review on a pass interference, it needs to be between the intended recipient of the ball and any player directly defending him. Because that that play call where they reviewed it, they called Dalvin Cook for a pick when he was not a wasn't setting a pick and b wasn't the intended receiver or being you know being defended by the guy the guys who were going for the ball it was it was just ridiculous this if this is what it's opening up to then we might as well just let the replay officials review every single play and call the 15 penalties that happen on every play once you get it down under the microscope that sounds like it'd be fantastic and so entertaining Um, to watch that would be the death of the nfl but let's get back to making fun of kirk cousins he's terrible yeah he he is i mean it's it's hard to say anything but at this point. He was solid when he was in Washington. There were certainly expectations that he might be better coming to Minnesota, certainly for the amount of guaranteed money they gave him. Oh, boy. But if he can't turn it around and quick, we're going to be looking at going into year three of Kirk Cousins' guaranteed money. He's on the hook for $27 million guaranteed, and he's not made this team better. No, and which is amazing because he looked good in Washington. So I don't know what's going on there, but this is a terrible performance by Kirk Cousins, and he was not great last year either. Nope, no, he was not. And it, again, he's got Thielen, he's got Diggs, Kyle Rudolph is a serviceable tight end. Dalvin Cook is good catching passes out of the backfield. They even have the son of Don Beebe catching balls out there. <laughs> Love Don Beebe. But this, you know, I don't, I just, I'd be selling. If I was in on this and I wasn't this season, except for some Dalvin Cook, I'd be selling so hard to get out of Minnesota right now. That's not a bad, it's not a bad, uh, not a bad position there, coach. All, All right. right. Let's, you, can so, we please not have something as, as depressing as our last two topics? Okay. Give me All something right. exciting. We're going to, we're going to, all right, let's talk about two of the youngest budding superstars in the league this season. So I'm going to ask you this question, and I want you to think about it. Is Lamar Jackson going to be the new number one quarterback? And uh, the, for context, it's the rushing yards that put him over the top. He's play, he's playing the passing game, and that's great. Week one, five touchdowns. That was a fluke. But he's making the passes a lot better than people thought. And again, going back to the you know those classic quarterbacks who can do it with their feet, He'll get you yards on the ground, like Dante Culpepper in his prime, like Cam Newton in his prime. 
Like all of those guys that could pass and run. So are we looking at a guy who's going to be the number one fantasy quarterback, maybe this year, maybe next year? Do you think it's going to happen? I do think Patty Mahomes would like to have words with you on that one. Um because he's all he's he's got a little bit more of a track record. Uh, but that said, this week I had Lamar Jackson go in a couple leagues, and he was both my QB and my RB one. Uh, now that says things about who my other RBs were at the time, but uh, that's a very nice bonus to have uh, to pick up some of your running backs who do not perform very well that week. Um, if he can keep doing this though, especially with the rushing yards, uh, there he could challenge Pat Mahomes. I'm still. I don't have much Pat Mahomes shares, but I still think he's the guy right now because he just puts up those crazy video game numbers. Lamar Jackson keeps this up, and he can do it against some a little bit better defenses. I think he makes that push, but I'm not ready to crown him just yet. And I own Lamar Jackson more than I own Pat Mahomes, but I still think Mahomes is the man. But he's nipping at the heels. I know. I, it's The challenge is that first game of the season was against Miami, and I think we've all realized now Play every guy you have when he's up against Miami. Coach, I, w- I had the New England football Patriots in another league uh, where I had them as a defensive team. They were playing the Dolphins. They got me 66 points and won me the league, won me my, my week that week. And that was just, they are a legendarily bad football team. I talk about the Bills. I talk about the New York, the New Jersey team. Sorry. But the Miami Dolphins may go down in history as maybe even being worse than the 0-16 Detroit Lions team. And I don't even think they are done being bad. No, they are going to get worse. And, I mean, okay, the Detroit Lions were one thing, but let's not forget Hugh Jackson and the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. <laughs> oh, how could I forget? Because Detroit was bad. Cleveland was dysfunctional and terrible mm-hmm. with one of the worst head coaching performances that even a Sports Illustrated puff piece two years later couldn't salvage. I actually forgot about him, but maybe because I wanted to. I think a lot of people do. so bad, but I think the Dolphins might. Now, they aren't going to be as entertainingly incompetent as Hugh Jackson was, but there's a point to be made there. Anyway. Yeah, they're, they're the team you want to start against, but my point is Baltimore played Miami, then they played the Cardinals, who are... You know, I think they're going to be better than we might have thought because Kyler Murray's coming along, and we're going to get to him in a second. But let's see them go up against a top defense, see how Lamar Jackson does, see if he can keep up that efficient passing, getting those touchdowns. I, I Like I said, I'm shocked by what we've seen this year. I thought he would take longer to get there. But uh, if he's arrived and they've built the perfect offense around him, I would not be stunned if he's sitting QB1 or at worst QB2 at the end of the season. Very possible. And, of course, he can stay healthy, which you worry about with running quarterbacks. Some of the analysis I've done on him shows that he's not like quite like others, um, that he can doesn't take as big of the hits all the time. So if he can keep himself set up like that, I, I, as an owner, I am happy as someone who yeah. has a lot of Lamar Jackson. Because for a running quarterback, avoiding the hits is obviously the big key. I mean – You look at like a Carson Wentz out there who's not a running quarterback, but he's a mobile quarterback and he moves around. He gets obliterated when he gets hit. Like every time he gets touched by the defense, you feel like he's going to be broken. That young man is shown in his career with every every time he does that, that nonsense. And this is why he's been hurt. Yeah. Anyway. So 
That's one hot, you know, hot shot guy. Second year player, not a rookie. Let's talk about the hot shot rookie, Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. Not bad. You yeah. know, he's he's undersized. Let's I mean, that's where we have to start. He is a small quarterback. He's but, I mean, they call him 5'10", but I don't even know about that. In a league where we're starting to see more young more smaller guys I mean, get a chance and succeed. Drew Brees obviously is the benchmark. Um, you know, Russell Wilson is under six feet tall. Baker Mayfield is around six feet. I mean, we're not t- we're going back to Doug Flutie here as the comp for Kyler Murray. Hmm. But what we've seen is this guy's played. You know, he's 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 slinging the ball around. More importantly, from a fantasy perspective, he is not hurting his teammates. You know, Larry Fitzgerald is getting his. We saw Christian Kirk get his. David Johnson, I don't know if David Johnson's good anymore. This that's a harder one to read. But you know, if he can start getting his, we're we're seeing a, a team that's going to put numbers on the board, and that's what you want from a fantasy perspective. I they think, might not win games this season. Yeah, I think they have a real problem, and it's been well documented. Once again, the red zone. Within the twenties, between the twenties, they have all the space in the world to work with. But they, the problem is with their offense as it is right now, they are having some real red zone problems. If they can figure that out, that they are going to be scary. I think they need to work. I think this is part of Kyler Murray developing. I think this is part of the offense. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury figuring out how to make this thing work when he doesn't have a whole lot of field space to work with. If they can do that. Then, yeah, then I, 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 I kind of see Kyler Murray almost having that, that Lamar Jackson trajectory, except he got to start earlier. His second year, maybe money, and it's almost like if you don't have Kyler Murray now, wait till he has a bad performance and and try to and try to lowball for it and try to buy low because I think if you if you own a dynasty league like you should be, I think that's he's one of those guys that in his second year he's going to have that breakout like we saw with Mahomes and we've seen so far with Jackson. Yeah, and I think the thing that's most impressive, too, is we knew him in college, you know, from his breakout season as as a, a quarterback who moves around. You know, a guy who runs, who uses his legs. We're not seeing that right now. We're seeing more of a pocket passer, a, you know, a mobile guy, but he's not running the ball 10, 15 times because coverage is breaking and he can't read the defense and he's got to try to do something. We're seeing him play smart and efficient and productive. And that is, you know, that's the surprise. I look back at Josh Allen, who, of course, is like 12 feet taller than Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Last year, he did not know how to play quarterback at the NFL level. He had pure, raw athleticism. And that's why you saw him break off a lot of passing routes and just run. Mm-hmm. Because he knew his legs could get him there better than his arm could. Yeah, we're we're not seeing that with Murray to start his career, and from a quarterback development perspective and from a fantasy perspective, that is that is gold because once Murray gets this established and then learns how to work in his legs and get some yards on the ground, he's gonna be tiny. He's he, but he's gonna be you know I'm not gonna say unstoppable, but hard to stoppable. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah, and... <laughs> follow up on what you said. Get him, get him if you can. Even if you have to pay, you know, a decent price right now, it's still a heck of a lot less than what you're going to pay in a year or two. 
And before we go to break, speaking of quarterbacks, I just wanted to, this maybe a, a session we maybe it's a, a little session we need to do going forward is praying to the fantasy gods. Um, this week we had a what I like to call the quarterback reckoning coach. Uh, we lost Ben Roethlisberger for the season. We lost Drew Brees for at least six weeks, uh, and the New York. The New Jersey Jets lost their second string quarterback because their first one got mono, which is amazing. Uh, and then a second uh, quarterback broke an ankle and he's out for the season. I think broken ankle, whatever it was, he's done. So then the third quarterback, which is, wow, what's his name, Falk or something like that. Like when you get that deep, you don't really know who you're talking about anymore. So forgive me. Oh, Luke Falk. No relation to Marshall. He wishes he had his talent, but. So yeah, and I, I want to pray to the fantasy gods to please leave the rest of the quarterbacks alone, especially mine, uh, because we've, we've had enough taken away from us already. And I hope yeah. you survive the quarterback reckoning of week two. And if you're maybe sitting there thinking you've been thinking, I'll get by with one quarterback until it's bye week time. Go get yourself an Andy Dalton just so that we are not scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel. Come grab come bye week time. How far have we fallen when we're Andy Dalton is our backup plan? And I know you talked about the guys lost to injury, and it was significant, but let's not forget one other guy we lost this week. Eli Manning. You know, we I mean, we've been joking about Daniel Jones since he was drafted, but he, he's, he's now the starter, and frankly, it had to happen. I don't fault the team at all. If anything, I fault that they didn't start. A hey, we can't afford licensed music, so stop That's singing it now. That's why I'm singing it. It's a, I, I change it just enough that we don't have to pay them. But Eli Manning is now on the bench, and barring an injury, that's where he'll finish the season. And, you know, then it's up to him. If he wants to finish it a career as, you know, as a giant for his entire career, if he wants to go and try to catch on somewhere else, that, that'll that be up to him. I always like the guys, you know, we don't see it that much anymore, but the guys who stay in one uniform their whole career. You know, and say what you will about Eli. He's one game over 500 as a career quarterback. His numbers are good accumulative numbers not necessarily elite numbers but say this and put this on eli manning's hall of fame plaque if it wasn't for eli manning tom brady would have eight super bowl rings right now amen to that and we're gonna take a break folks grab a beer come back in a couple minutes well we'll be back in a couple minutes you're gonna get you're gonna be right back right away we're going to talk about some other things from this past week. That's right. You've already given us 30 minutes, but we're going to give you a little bit of overtime with some more fantasy insight real quick just after the break. Stay with us. All right. We've refreshed our beverages. You've maybe refreshed your beverages. Hopefully you're still with us. Uh, we're going into overtime here on episode 11 of the Fantasy Domination Podcast. The coach and Rusty with you as always. Uh, we're going to keep this this uh, this other section of our podcast going. We started last week. We're going to do it again this week because we found more people that this applies to. It's time once again for the, the Fantasy Domination Podcast Panic of the Week. We always say don't panic. It's early in the season. But there are some guys that maybe you need to actually start to panic on. So we're going to start. We're going to each name a player that we're panicking on right now based upon what we've seen in ownership. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Coach. Who is your guy that you are panicking on as we speak? All right. I am panicking legitimately about O.J. Howard. Mm. And the reason is, is I have yet to play in a fantasy league that awards points for run blocking. Because from the tight end position, there might be nobody better this season. 
than OJ Howard at run blocking because that Tampa offensive line is so terrible. But how do you have a top five tight end who doesn't even see a target in a game? We thought Bruce Arians was going to be good for this offense. We thought maybe he'll do something for Jameis Winston. But now we've had a game where, you know, the first game of the season, he got a, he got catches, but they weren't anything special. And then this game, he gets blanked. So That's if you're somebody like me who's invested in O.J. Howard and thought this was going to be the year, third year, he's got a good coach now, it's breakout time, and he's putting up a goose egg, yeah, it might be time to panic. You know, I don't know who's going to be out there in your waiver wire because the tight end position is pretty bare once you get past, you know, the top ten. Yeah. Um, maybe you know you look at a guy like a Jason Witten if you can get him as as an old guy. I don't know. It's uh, you, you know, you, ha- you almost have to go the trade route if you've if you've invested in OJ Howard, and that means you have to decide: Do I want to bail on OJ Howard and try to pick up somebody to fill the you know fill the spot? and risk the chance of trading away O.J. Howard right before he turns it on. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I am in panic mode. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, everyone thought, yeah, and there was that whole Bruce Arians doesn't use the tight end narrative. Everyone say, well, look at the tight ends he's had over the years. Um, O.J. Howard is a physical specimen. Well, something's going on there. Uh, hopefully he has a bounce back, but... I did. I have. I do have some exposure to OJ Howard in some of my leagues. And uh, spoiler alert, I lost in those leagues this week because he was a big part of why. Oh, there's other reasons why. Mike Evans. I'm looking at you as well. Maybe having two Tampa Bay Buccaneers on my squad was not the wisest move I made in that auction draft. But you know, that's that's another guy who, by the way, we're going to put on the panic watch list. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. Uh, but we're going to see if he has a chance to bounce back. All right. My panic of the week, Cam Newton. Uh, And not because he has terrible fashion sense as evidenced by some of the things that he's worn at his post-game press conferences. What the hell is he doing? You need to play a lot better to deserve to wear garbage like that, Cam. But anyway, uh, we saw what he did this week. As much as you said, oh, he had 300 yards, coach. There were 300 very empty yards. He had no touchdowns. He had, I believe, a fumble. He was not good this week. He didn't look good. His body language is terrible. Uh, there are many pro. There are a lot of red flags with Mr. Newton right now. Uh, regardless of how many uh, passing yards he got, he is not running the ball. He is a guy that needs to run the ball to be effective because he's an average passer. I am very concerned. And now Wood is coming out that he is his foot. He is re-injured again, which would explain some of the problems maybe that we're seeing, why he's not running, uh, why maybe his throws aren't accurate because he can't plant properly. There are mechanical problems with him beyond, you know, and we had the shoulder last year. Now it looks like the foot might be a problem. I am very concerned. I have shares in Cam Newton this season. I thought this was going to be a turnaround year for him. It is not working out that way. He is missing wide open guys. They didn't even go to him on fourth and half a yard uh, with a game on the line. Instead, pulling some garbage weirdo play to McCaffrey that did not work at all. Um, I am very concerned about him, Coach. And uh, I think a lot of people are as well. Yeah, rightfully so. I kept. I was watching that game on Thursday, which, against my better judgment, because Thursday games are terrible. As Try to always. not play anybody in a Thursday game. Horrible. But I was watching that, and I just couldn't help thinking of Peyton Manning in that last year. Mm. You know, not we're not talking straight up noodle arm here with Cam Newton, but the way he was chronically overthrowing and underthrowing, like it was like his arm and his brain were not wired together, mm-hmm. which. 
you know, that's that's obviously a tremendous problem. This this league requires accuracy more than anything else. Yeah. I know people fall in love with the height and the arm strength and the running speed and that. But whether you succeed or fail in the NFL is going to have more to do with accuracy than anything else. And he doesn't have it. He's never been a great accurate quarterback. Nope. But, I mean, he's got good receivers in DJ Moore and uh, Curtis Samuel. And he was consistently missing them. Mm-hmm. So they could I, have much I would, bigger days if the, if uh, he could just throw the ball to them. Yeah. So if you had banked on Cam Newton, you are panicking, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be out this week, by all accounts. So we'll see if that can get his game straight. But I, if I was a Cam Newton owner, I would have put Plan B into place Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you can do. Whether again. Grab, you know, if somebody's available on the waiver wire or there's a deal to be made for another veteran, you got to do something because you can't trust Cam Newton until he's had about three or four good, solid consecutive games. Yeah, I've uh, I've put my plan B's have been Lamar Jackson. I was lucky on that one. Uh, and this year, week, I had to go and get Matt Stafford. So, like, when you're getting, like, you're looking at guys like Matt Stafford, Andy Dalton, uh, some of those other guys, maybe Josh Allen's available. Uh, we're at a point where, especially with them being out this week, you have no choice. Uh, but yeah, definitely panic mode. Uh, the last team we're going to panic on, just the Miami Dolphins because they're terrible. If you're a Miami Dolphins fan, my condolences. I don't know if yeah. you need to say any more than that. This is a team that is attempting something that we haven't seen before in football history and that is to be intentionally tragically awful we've seen the 0-16 and and we will joke about Hugh Jackson and we will joke about Rod Marinelli but you can't tell me for a minute that those guys weren't coaching teams that were trying to win Mm -hmm. you look at the Miami Dolphins they are actively trying not to win Mm -hmm. and the rats are abandoning the Titanic everybody wants out anybody of any substance wants out so it's this is a Oh, this is a legendarily bad situation on the legendarily bad team. So if you were unfortunate enough to put stock into any Miami Dolphin, I would say get out with the exception of Preston Williams, who has just enough sleeper value and curiosity to to worth to be worth holding on to. But you know, as soon as as soon as there's any trade value, get rid of these guys. You want out of Miami, and more importantly, you want to look at players who are going up against Miami. And then when they're up, you know, or defenses that are going up against Miami, as you said, New England blew the doors off the place with a sick, sick, disgusting DST performance. That's like top five all time, I, uh, I believe. It, or yeah. if not, it's very close. It's incredible. And, and we might see that get topped again sometime later this year <laughs> because that defense is or that offense is pathetic. That defense is not going to keep teams off the field, which means – it's just going to be a green light to destroy the Miami Dolphins. And those two teams play again. Oh, golly. Oh, All right. Let's let's uh, let's move off that. Hopefully you're not panicking as much as we are. But, again, it's going to happen to your best players. It's going to happen to guys you count on. They are going to cause you to panic. But let's talk about something more fun, especially in the world of dynasty football, and that is trades. Trading. Da- trading is the lifeblood of dynasty football because – you're not dealing on a year-to-year basis. So, you know, in years past, I traded, and this is the one one of those ones that sticks in your head because you regret it, right? <laughs> I traded a rookie Frank Gore for Ben Roethlisberger because I went through a string of quarterback injuries and I needed, uh, I needed a quarterback, and Ben was good. 
but I traded away rookie Frank Gore, who has only consistently put up year after year after year I after year. I thought that was Trent Green. Did I trade for Trent Green? It was Trent Green, if I remember correctly. If that's oh, the you same know league what? I'm thinking of, because that's what made it. Like Ben Roethlisberger is one thing, but Trent Green is uh, what makes that a little more, a little more funny, at least then, as I remember it. Then you know what it might have been? I picked up Trent Green, and then he got hurt, and then I had to go get Ben Roethlisberger. Ah. But I know I picked up both of those guys, and one of them cost me a rookie Frank Gore. So sometimes mm. you got to make trades, and you don't know how they're going to turn out. But let's talk about. In this new feature, who says no? Mm. We're going to present to you a fantasy football trade that actually happened. And we're going to talk about who should have or would have said no to this deal. And the most exciting part is this is an actual trade consummated today by the two of us. That's right. In our, in our Alpha League, we uh, did this trade. We discussed it a short amount of time. We slept on it. And came to an agreement. And it's funny because we're playing each other this week in this league. Uh, but I gave up uh, one Michael Thomas. And you, in return, you sent me one Dalvin Cook. So Dalvin Cook for Michael Thomas was the trade that we did today. And now I guess we'll break it down in a second. Uh, but maybe the first thing you want to ask, Coach, is who says no? Because we certainly didn't. It was, yeah. It was one of those situations. We're talking about two guys right now who are top five, top ten. I mean, Cook is Cook is peaking right now, um, so he's top he's top three or top two running backs. But these guys, you know, they've got the goods. Cook has the Cook has the his, the injury history. Thomas has Breeze providing a little bit of uncertainty the rest of this way. But you're looking at it as the rare opportunity when two elite level players get traded for each other, and that's always fun. Yeah. You know, a lot of fantasy football turns into just trying to screw the other guy and it's oh well yeah i'll offer you i don't know michael gallup and a third round pick for dalvin cook because you don't need him you've got other running backs and no that's not what real fantasy football is about it's about taking your best players and trading them for other great players so that you can craft that perfect roster and i think i want to say right now this is a win-win for both of our teams in this situation. Yeah. For some background, my running backs going this season were Todd Gurley and David Johnson. Uh, there are concerns with both of those guys. I have handcuffed both of them with their backups. Uh, but at the same time, I had some depth at the receiver position. Uh, I have I have Odell Beckham. Uh, I can And I have T.Y. Hilton. So it's a matter of I think I have a difference maker with Mr. David Cook. And I have some wide receivers that I think I can plug in that three spot with either Christian Cook or Emmanuel Sanders or uh, scary Terry McLaurin uh, that I think I can manage, hopefully. It's, it's going to put a lot more pressure on me now because I have to manage the roster a little bit more. But at the same time, Dalvin Cook is showing out. He's what we thought he would have, uh, finally be. I got a chance for an elite difference maker. There was a lot of risk in this deal for both of us, I think. Uh, for me, it's Dalvin Cook's injury history. And and for you, I think it's Michael Thomas's Drew Brees problem right now. Um, the, the way I look at this deal, I like it better for me short term. But I think longer term, because you're getting the wide receiver and they have the longer lifespan, I think this will work out better long term for you uh, than it will for me. Absolutely. And that's obviously what I'm hoping for. So, yeah, if we're going to look at this one, the answer was neither of us said no. It was a good deal that addressed both of our needs. I am I was loaded at running back coming into this season thanks to some good trading and some good drafting and some luck. Um, and a couple I could of terrible owners. Yeah, I could saying. afford to give up on Dalvin Cook because I still got Nick Chubb and Zeke Elliott. 
So it was a luxury. Uh, having an elite third running back is the most ridiculous luxury because you're only ever going to use it in bye weeks or you're going to kill yourself with starting, you know, the third of your best running backs in any given week. So, yeah, I I really boosted the heck out of my wide receiver. I sacrificed some depth at running back with an elite guy, but we took two players that are elite players that are top guys and we swapped them for each other. Exactly. I just I could not resist the potential league winning capability of Dalvin Cook with the way he's gone the first two two weeks of the season, and it's not like I'm buying high on a guy. Yeah, I am buying high on a guy, but uh, I also have been a fan of Dalvin Cook for the last couple seasons, and my ch- this is a chance to acquire him. And now I just got to pray to the fantasy gods not to take him away from me for uh, for a long stretch of time this season, or else I am pooch with this trade. Whereas I've argued for the last couple of years that Michael Thomas is the best fantasy football wide receiver. And also, ironically, one of the most underrated because nobody puts him at the top of the list. Now, there's obviously a heavy breeze influence there. But if we're looking at who's going to perform the best in any given week, how many guys are you taking over Michael Thomas? Not a whole lot. He's very consistent and consistently good, which is why I'm very sad to lose him. But when you have a chance to get a difference maker like Dalvin Cook, when you are where run back situations a little iffy. It's one of those. I, I I'm a high risk guy, as evidenced by some of the fantasy moves I make and some of the uh, uh, life partner choices I've made in the past. So you got to risk it for the biscuit, Coach. So risk it for the biscuit. The lesson we're going to take away from this, I hope you'll take away: don't be afraid to take big shots, because you know you can't always nickel and dime your way to a championship. Maybe you pick up a D Westbrook and he has a good game for you, but sometimes. You got to be willing to roll the dice. You got to make those big splashy trades and you just can't be afraid. You know, so when we ask the question, who says no, sometimes you don't want to be that person. That's right. All right. You've given us another extra 15 minutes and thank you for that. So we're going to tell you where to find more of us online. Uh, Coach, you want to read over where people can look, can ask us questions or hit us up uh, for fantasy advice. All right, visit us at fdpodcast.com. You can hit us up for email there at fantasy football domination. No, sorry, fantasy domination podcast at gmail.com. Or for quick instantaneous feedback or, you know, an advice, hit us up at the FD pod on Twitter. That's where I hang out, you know, when I'm online. So if you want advice, I mean, I just give advice to people unsolicited because they say, hey, who should I start this week? And we'll help them out. But if you got a question, ask us there and we will help you out. Why? Because we want you to go out and dominate. That's right. So for the coach, I'm rested. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Fantasy Podcast. We'll see you next week. Same time, same channel. And as always, the Fantasy Domination Podcast is a production of Hapu Media. Oh, thank you.